to the greasiest wrestling fans in all of the world. This is Rope Break, episode 14, and the man shouting at you this morning is your host for this for this morning's festivities, the Greg Flynn. Like I said, this is Rope Break episode 14, available wherever you get your podcasts. You get them on Spotify, you get them on Apple, Apple, excuse me. You get them on Google, you get the video version on YouTube, you get the live version on Twitch and on YouTube and on wetmeatwrestling.com every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m., excuse me, a.m. Eastern. I'm, I'm making a lot of mistakes and there's a lot of hype. And I'm going to take a deep breath, and I'm going to tell you why. Here we go. Deep breath together, class. <sighs> okay, I feel better. Do you feel better? I feel a little better. We're ready to go in. But, uh, you know, I'm steering a big, big jet plane this morning. There's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of knobs, a lot of things going on, levers and meters, and I got to make a lot of calculations and reading uh, in order to get this big bird into the sky, keep it coasting throughout the course of episode 14, and then to land it on in, nice and easy. And there's a lot going on in my life. For example, I'm on hour three of a tolerance break, and this thing's got another hour and a half left in it before I can smoke again. That's a long time for me, wrestling fans. I got personal life, and I have to get to the topic at hand. A mountain of things to discuss in professional wrestling. Because today is the day we do it. Today is the day we do it, wrestling fans. Today is the day that we peel back the curtain. Today is the day that we ask the hard-hitting questions, um, really to ourselves, greasy rope break listeners, (laughs) and then we answer them ourselves. And uh, the only way to do that is to Well, I don't want to get too off topic, but to know yourself. And the reason I say that is because a lot of what I'm going to say today about AEW and Tony Khan, man, it's a lot of stuff that it takes one to know one. It's a lot of stuff. And I know people might be listening to this and thinking, what the fuck does Greg Flynn have in common with Tony Khan? How, what, how, what in his life is going to help him diagnose the problems going on in AEW? What in his life is going to help him with the problems between Ricky Starks and Adam Copeland? And, uh, Well, hey, fuck you, because I do have the answers. I do know where this went off the rails, and I do know how to get it back on the rails. I'm going to tell you what the problem with AEW is today, and I'm going to tell you how to solve it. And I know I dance around this idea, and I dance around these different issues, that it's not a coherent show, that it's not a coherent vision. And then I dance around these other issues where I say, oh, the Continental Classic, though, they're starting to tighten things up a little bit. There's a little bit of vision there, and there's something interesting going on and we're getting these interesting matches and I kind of go back and forth MJF is an interesting champion Kenny Omega is terrible on the mic and I hate to use that one as an example because we just heard about Kenny not uh, being well diverticulitis is what I think I heard and that sounds miserable my dad had that once and uh, he well he was he's a miserable chap in general but he seemed miserable then I'll tell you that so get well Kenny (laughs) get well Kenny we want to see you in the ring I uh I didn't mean to throw shade on you while you were feeling unwell. That wasn't my goal necessarily. But that's the thing. This is a big jet plane. There's a lot to talk about today. There's injuries. There's frustrations with AEW. And there is 
a diagnosis finally coming in for what ails AEW and what ails Tony Khan. And I'm going to tell you what that diagnosis is, and I'm going to tell you how we fix it. And it is going to take a little bit of time to break down. That's going to be the first segment of the show today. And then after the break, we are going to talk about some of the more uh, story-based, I dare I say, superficial things going on in WWE and AEW. Some of the storylines, some of the matches, that sort of stuff that we like to do. But I have a question for all of you. I have a question for everyone listening to this, everyone out in the world who can hear my voice right here, right now, however you're hearing it. This is my question to you. Why is Tony Khan doing this? This being AEW. Why is Tony Khan doing this? You feel that? Did you feel that when I asked the question? Did you feel that moment when you didn't have an answer? Did you feel that little gap where you went, uh? Because it was like, because there was this little side of you that said, he's a businessman. He wants money. But then you were like, well, he's a billionaire and he's funding all of this. And it's kind of a startup. And startups are generally profitable. And sure, they're all in is making a ton of money in England and this and that. But some of the gates here in the United States have been kind of shitty. And the ratings are up and then they're kind of down. And so... But okay, it's a startup, but whatever, but whatever, but whatever. He's a billionaire. He's literally, I'm not exaggerating. This is just a statement. He's a trust fund baby. He woke up to this earth with a silver spoon in his mouth. And he took out the spoon and he started a wrestling company. Why? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? And that is the question of the day. That is the question of the moment. And that is the question of the day today on episode of 14. Excuse me. I'm excited. Why did he do this? What is in his heart? What is stirring inside of Tony Khan that made him do this? And I have had countless things in my life where I had to take a step back and ask myself, why am I doing this? Why did I do this? Sometimes life sails past you and you don't even know why you're making the choices that you are making. Sometimes things just keep stacking up. Sometimes you meet the girl and the girl is really cute. And the girl has a great ass. And so you keep asking the girl out so you can keep seeing that ass. And then the next thing you know, you have a wife, two kids, and a mortgage. Sometimes these things come at you fast. And you got to hit the pause button. And you got to say, what? What happened and why? How did I manifest that? I thought I was manifesting something different, and I manifested that. How and why did that happen? And that's where Tony Khan is sitting right now, Tuesday, December 19th. I'm on the West Coast. It's the morning here. I think he's over in Jacksonville or wherever on the East Coast. He just seems like an East Coast guy. I don't know where AEW is this week, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't matter. He's wherever he is looking at what he made, looking at what he manifested. Did he manifest Ricky Starks and Adam Copeland jawing at each other? You're goddamn right he did. He made that. He made those two wrestlers not like each other. 
He manifested that. He likes it. I mean, I, I think that it is clear to see, and I don't want to, you know, put the cart before the horse and get into the details here in the wrong order in a certain way, because I want to be respectful, and I want to be kind to Tony Khan. Like, I, I'm not here to just take a big dump on the nerd <laughs> for lack, or take a big dump on the money mark. I'm not here to take a big dump on the money mark. That's what I'm trying to say. I am trying to say that he might be a money mark and not a whole lot else. I'm here to say that this Booker of the Year Dave Meltzer horse shit is just that. Horse shit. And I feel like Dave Meltzer looks like an asshole today after what he's been saying and the pedestal he has put the creative minds, Tony Khan, in AEW, the pedestal he has those minds placed on. He thinks this, or thought, this was the greatest thing he had ever seen in pro wrestling, yada, yada, yada. He looks like a jackass today. Because today, the product that AEW puts out there is not the greatest thing that pro wrestling has ever seen. It's not even close. And the thing that it lacks, that I say all the time, is vision. So I'm not going to belabor the point. Today is about pointing out how you create something without vision. And I'll tell you how you do it. You just start putting together Legos without ever asking yourself, why you're doing it. Why are you snapping together the Legos? Why are you banging together the rocks? Are you trying to make a spark? Are you trying to make fire? Or do you not know that when you bang rocks together, it creates sparks? Because if you don't know that, and you are a trust fund baby who's bored out of their mind, you might start banging rocks together in an environment where you don't need to be doing that. Built entirely out of really dry straw. I don't know. I don't like some sort of old timey. I'm reading the Game of Thrones series. Maybe you're in some sort of straw bed in a very flammable tower and there's always a princess or a whatever, a king or whatever. But here's the point. <laughs> Is that what Tony Khan is doing? Does he have, I mean, you hear this all the time, right? The critique that he bought a bunch of action figures. He bought a bunch of wrestling action figures, and now he's banging them together, and he thinks it's interesting. And he's like, well, what if we bang these two together? And now I'm bored with that. What if we bang these two together? It really does have the energy of somebody who just has too much money, too much free time, too many toys, and no direction, no self-reflection. No sense of where this is going and why. Why are you doing this? Did Tony Khan do this to make money? No. No. He didn't do it to make money. Now, there could be another layer of that wherein he's wanting to prove that he's capable of making his own money in business and in show business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so he's doing it to make money, but he's not doing it to make money under this example. He's doing it to prove something, right? To prove that he's capable, to prove that he can. So look at the other side of the spectrum, why people start wrestling promotions. Well, sure, to make money is like 
kind of 1A and kind of 1B, and they're kind of interchangeable, is that you have a goddamn story in your heart, and you want to fucking tell that thing. What a novel idea to get into entertainment, Tony Khan, to get into show business, Tony Khan, with a fucking story to tell. What a fucking novel idea. Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky because it's a fucking metaphor for what was going on in his heart. Because his ass kept getting knocked down. (coughs) And he wanted to get back up. And he wanted to tell a story that got over what he was going through in his life. That could make him relatable. That other people could relate to it. And that could inspire and entertain. He was looking to inspire and entertain through personal reflection. That is why Sylvester Stallone made Rocky. 1A, 1B, the infamous story. He didn't sell the rights of the script. He wanted to be the lead performer, blah, 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 blah. And he got it, and he got rich because he believed in himself, and he believed in his personal Fucking story, Tony Khan. What is yours? What is yours? Because this shit is directionless. This is a rich trust fund, baby. Banging together the wrestling action figures. I'm just going to call it like I see it from now on. I'm sick of dancing around it. I'm sick of pretending that I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. And what I'm seeing is somebody who has a chip on their shoulder, almost with needy fucking energy on needing everyone to see that chip and affirm for him that he has succeeded. You did it, Tony. You made a wrestling company. You proved you can do your own things. I, like, what do you, what, 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 what? And so here's what I'll ask you to, to, to drive home the point. What in this world creatively can we clearly credit him for? What are we giving Tony Khan credit for having done? It's unclear. And I think he wants it unclear. And I think he wants it unclear for benevolent reasons. I think think that there's a side of him that genuinely believes when it comes to this, it's not about who gets the credit. It doesn't matter who gets the credit for the masked man. It doesn't matter who gets the credit for the rise of Swerve Strickland. Swerve deserves the credit for the rise of Swerve Strickland. Oh, Dave, you want to put me in your magazine again for the best booker ever? Sure, you can do that. I don't mind. Oh, you want to know what I do? My creative philosophy behind booking? Oh, I can't, I don't, I don't, I, there's nothing to, there, there's no sense of transparency for why this guy is letting himself be placed onto the pedestal that he has let himself get placed on by the biggest AEW marks. The ones who just love the booking of the dream matches. The ones who think that, Uh, there's just no conversation to be had. You brought in some of the uh, A-listers from New Japan Pro Wrestling for a couple of shows, and that just makes you Booker of the Year, and that is just the end of the conversation. Some people are viewing Tony this way, as if there's nothing to funnel into, as if there would never be a question to ask. And I'm going to compare him to who he needs to be compared to in this moment. Because when you look at wrestling history, there aren't a lot of guys who were both the money and the mind. 
the money would often hire the mind historically. A great example of that is The Iron Claw, the movie coming out this Christmas, the Von Erichs, Fritz Von Erich, the dad, was the money. And he hired other people to be the mind, a.k.a. the head booker. And I've talked about that on a previous episode. Gary Hart, My Life in Wrestling, was the head booker for Texas, Dallas, Texas, WCCW for years, blah, blah, blah. It's a phenomenal book. You look at Bill Watts. You look all over the country in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. The money traditionally wasn't the mind. It doesn't preclude money from being the mind. It's just not how this thing has ever worked until a young man came along named Vince McMahon. That's right. Tony Khan is not doing a wrestling booker impression. He's doing a Vince McMahon impression. He wants to be both. And Vince McMahon was both because he was both. He was both. He was, to an extent, Vince McMahon, the character that you saw on TV every week in the late 90s, early 2000s. There was a side of him that could be an angry old businessman who's mad at everyone because he is a businessman, because he is everyone's boss, because he did have a drive and a hustle in him, a highly competitive Competitor, just a competitor. I mean, it's just the baseline of who he was as a human. It's obvious when you look at Vince McMahon. Hyper fucking competitive. And he wanted to funnel all that into business and show business. But he was also a storyteller. And he was interested in telling stories. It is so fucking obvious that he cares about that. It is so fucking fucking clear when you go back go watch the attitude era and how much fun is being had by vince mcmahon the man himself he's having a blast going out there with the boys and pretending to be a total fucking jackass and let them beat him up like he know like he's not an idiot he knows he's the villain he knows he is I mean, he, he got himself over as a heel so well that I guarantee you two-thirds of the people who, who hear this rant hate him and don't like that I'm giving him credit. And it's got nothing to do with the actual man. It's got to do with the creative work he did 20 years ago. And people are still mad at him for being too convincing in this role. Now, I will... And that part of the show by saying Vince McMahon perhaps has done other things to draw the ire of people on a personal level. But just funneling into this vision of creation and business, creation in show business, this idea, Vince McMahon knew why he was doing it. He was having fun. That alone (laughs) should almost be the only motivator for doing anything in your life. Like, yeah, I mean, there's times when you have to have discipline and, and work to delayed gratification, et cetera, et cetera. But even this speaks to an idea of a pursuit of fun and joy. And when you look at the two big wrestling promotions today, where is the fun and the joy? Like, every behind-the-scenes story that comes out about AEW is another pissed-off wrestler, another firing, 
It's toxic information. It's drama. It's, 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 it's not good news. It's not interesting news. And it's not worked news. It's just drama. It's real drama, real issues that the humans who are doing this as jobs have with their place of employment and their colleagues. Okay, yeah, you can kind of feel it. Like, it's just not, that ain't interesting. That's not fun. That's people having problems with each other. People having real issues with each other. Now it's wrestling. You can work that, et cetera, et cetera. They're not. They just seem unhappy and directionless. And I swear to you, greasy rope break listeners, here on episode 14, I know the reason why. I know the reason why. And it's because Tony Khan doesn't know the reason why he's doing any of this. There is not some spiritual motivation driving Tony to tell impactful stories. He doesn't seem to have some spiritual calling to entertain the masses. He doesn't seem to believe that. And he doesn't seem to be driven by the bottom line. Now, that's subjective. We don't really know the bottom line. Like, we know ticket sales in a way, and we sort of know the gross, but we don't know the net. We don't know if he's actually making or losing money on this thing. And it's hard to evaluate choices without even without knowing the result, right? Like, that, that's tough. But you can evaluate some of the choices. I got an Instagram reel with a gajillion views talking about the salaries of wrestlers. And I almost have mixed feelings about it because I love wrestlers getting paid. Like, I don't have a problem there. There's no issue with that. The issue is that it speaks to what Tony Khan is doing or not doing. And it doesn't feel like he's really obsessed with the bottom line, that this isn't really about business and numbers, and that he doesn't seem to have some deep driving passion for business. It doesn't seem to be some sort of deep fucking calling because he wants the headset on. He wants to be in the gorilla position. He wants to be making decisions in the moment about the storytelling. So what is his story? What are, the, what are the pieces he's moving? I want to know. And this is, this is an interesting way to make this point. Come back to this idea. In the early days of AEW, there were, and to this day still, there's a lot of different styles getting presented on the show. So you got Lucha, you have death matches, you have maybe a ground and pound old school type thing. You'll see, a, you'll see a lot of different, you'll see a tag match from the Young Bucks, and then you'll see a tag match from FTR on Saturday, right? And, and they're just so different. And the question I posed to myself in the early days of AEW was, which one of these is actually Tony Khan's favorite? And I think that the reason I thought that at the time or wondered that was because I wondered which would be kind of the one that maybe emerged, that you saw the most of, that maybe the, at the time it made sense that this was a new company. There were, you know, th different things going in different directions. It's a big jet plane. You got to get airborne, like I was saying at the beginning of the show. You have to get the engine revved up sometimes. That's just life. Okay. But then, I mean, fast forward to December 19th, 2023, 
And I'm no closer to that answer. I mean, we hear the stories about ECW, and you see the push that John Moxley got. Is it just death matches? Is it just blood and guts and death matches that fascinate Tony Khan? Is that what's at the bottom of the well for him? Is he trying to figure something out in his own journey on this earth? This is spaceship earth. Tony Khan's not special. <laughs> like he, He's on the floating rock too. Is it just that? Is it, is it the blood and the guts that's drawing him to it for whatever reason? Zero judgment. Blood and guts can be interesting. Like I, it's literally the name of one of their shows. Blood and guts. I mean, it can be interesting as hell. It can be fun as hell. It can be engaging as hell. And you can tell amazing stories, visceral stories, stories that dig inside of you using blood and guts. It happens every single fucking day in the world here on the Space Rock. But Tony Khan's not doing that. He's just letting every wrestler cut themselves open and bleed all over the place until suddenly one day he wakes up and that there's news that now the wrestlers have to ask permission to bleed all over the place, like a month ago, whenever that got leaked. So, so what is he doing? <laughs> so what is he doing? If, if, if that were the calling, it didn't seem to take a lot for him to swerve. Swerve when I die. I'm doing the dance. If you're listening on Spotify, I want to assure you fully that I am doing the Swerve Strickland dance to the fullest of my abilities. Okay, back on topic. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing What is his favorite style of wrestling? What is his calling in business? And we're talking about the blood. And I'll tell you what got me off on this rant initially or got me off on this line of thinking kind of initially was I saw... Uh, one of my favorites, <laughs> I, I, oh, where do I, Eric Bischoff, take, for better and worse, one of my favorites, Eric Bischoff, talking about how Tony Khan would presumably, and he, his theory was we're going to see this uh, in the upcoming TV renegotiation deals rights that, that AEW is going to have to go through. Eric Bischoff's theory was that Tony Khan had pushed away so many of the potential advertisers given the type of product that he has put on the TV. And that even if ratings held or even if ratings went up, uh, that advertisers don't like being associated with his product. And I think there's a few different sides to that. I think some of that is really outdated thinking. I think that advertisers in the year 2023 aren't putting a lot of moral judgments on attention. I think they just want the attention like so many people do. Let's just call it what it is. In the year 2023 with social media and the content, I'm on camera right now talking about wrestling. So many people just care about the attention. And I, I think that's true with advertisers too. So there's that. So, so Eric, this is what I mean about Eric Bischoff, for better and worse. But here's the thing. Like, if Tony Khan were truly telling a story, if Tony Khan truly had a story in his heart that required a ton of blood and guts and shit that advertisers don't like, if he had to tell the dirtiest of the dirty, the muddiest, bloodiest, cummiest, greasiest story that he possibly fucking could because it was real to him because it meant something to him 
And if he took the time to love that story and build a team around that story that also loved that story and they poured everything they could late into the night into that story, I guarantee you that that story is going to draw attention and I guarantee you that advertisers are going to want to be a part of that. So the issue here is not the blood and guts, I don't believe. The issue here is the disjointed vision of what the fuck we are even watching, Tony. Here's an idea to close on. Here's an idea, when we talk about vision, when we talk about coherent, uh, <laughs> coherent show, what is this show? Look at the NFL and football fans. How many football fans do you know? People, oh yeah, I love football. Let's go toss around the pigskin at the park. Let's, yeah, I love football. How many, I played in high school. How many people who speak like that don't watch the NFL? How many basketball fans do you know don't watch the NBA? Hockey fans who don't turn on the NHL? Anybody? And add in college, like they don't even watch the college. Just don't, I, don't, I don't watch. And then they got some nitpicky reason why. It's pretty fucking rare. You got to meet a lot of basketball fans to meet the one guy who loves basketball and refuses to watch the NBA because it's garbage. But look at professional wrestling. In the year 2000, there was something like 10 or 15 million people watching professional wrestling every Monday night. Now, Monday through Friday, all added up. AEW, WWE, all added up. We're talking about 5 million with a ton of repeats because one of those shows was Monday, one was Wednesday, one was Friday. I'm like 2 million of those repeats. Like, we, we've shrunk significantly in 20 years the viewership the audience and you will meet people all the time every fucking day of your life if you're talking about wrestling as much as I am where they will say that they find it engaging they find it entertaining and here's the reason they stopped and never came back so there are millions of wrestling fans not watching professional wrestling because they don't believe that the WWE offers professional wrestling in their estimation. They also don't believe that AEW offers professional wrestling in their estimation. Now, wrestling is a show. It's scripted You can kind of see how it might evolve differently than the NBA, than NFL the NFL, but you can also see kind of the point that I'm driving home, which is that these people have been abandoned because the product has shifted so much and because the vision has loosened so much. You know, I was thinking about this before the show. It's really interesting to like kind of think about like who was a WCW fan? Like, the WCW in the early 90s was people who loved, like, I would argue a simpler form of wrestling. They wanted great stories, interesting characters, but they wanted it grounded in reality. It was an older audience. I don't even know if that's true, but I do know for a fact that it was perceived that way. You can find 
anyone from WCW and Turner, the books I've read, how many quotes you can see about how they saw their audience as a more mature audience, just literally. They were just older, theoretically would have more money, whatever it was. And that's because they were holdovers from the NWA. They, they, they saw it as an extension of, of fucking Harley Race. They saw it as an extension of what had been built in pro wrestling for years and years and years and years. Going back to the fucking 30s or whatever. Like, that was WCW's lineage. And then Hogan and the leg drop and Kevin and Scott and the NWO. And suddenly the WCW was trying to kind of be the WWE and kind of compete in terms of the showmanship, compete in terms of uh, the way they told stories, the way they built characters. And then, yeah, what those stories were. And it was for better, it was for worse, it was a good idea, a bad idea, just depending on what you're looking at and how you're dissecting it. We never got those wrestling fans back, though. We never got those wrestling fans back. We never got those millions and millions and millions of people who were never on board with Hulk Hogan, who were never on board with Miss Elizabeth, who were never on board with this more theatrical thing that WWE was doing in the 80s and early 90s. The weird characters, The Undertaker, they didn't like that. And that's what made them stick to WCW. And then WCW kind of abandoned them. And so then they abandoned wrestling. And WCW lost that war anyway. And then there was only one company. And it was the company that this type of person has been disliking since the fucking 80s. Because it was showy and weird and goofy and theatrical. And not wrestling. And this is also the same time frame when we went from 15 million people watching this product on a Monday to 5 million people watching it Sunday through Sunday. So what happened? So what happened? You abandoned the product. You abandoned the vision. The companies died. They were mismanaged. I talk about wrestling history all the time. Fast forward to 2019, 2020. The money mark emerges with no fucking vision it was the wrestlers company and you just let the wrestlers be the wrestlers and you don't need to do anything that's bullshit that is bull fucking shit and I already shit on him once and he's hurt and I am gonna have to do it again sorry Kenny but you were there in the beginning when all of this started and I I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall because what were the conversations like? Was there a style of wrestling that was important to the people in those rooms? And was there a type of storytelling that was important to the people in those rooms? Was storytelling important to the people in those rooms? And what was important to Tony Khan in those meetings? What was he searching for in those meetings that he didn't already have? Because it's not money, and it's not fame. He can get fame through the money however he wants. He owns Fulham. He and his dad, he owns the soccer team, Fulham. Uh, he owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he can just buy commercial time if he wants to, and he can just be visible at the right 
situations and parties given his social status. So what was it that was changing in Tony Khan's life when he started AEW? What, what was the void that it was filling? This is what I want to know, Tony. This is how you win me back. This is how you win everyone back. Because here's the thing. We can all see that the product is shifting, that the product is changing, that the Continental Classic is trying to move the needle. But it is time for somebody, either Tony yourself or a actor that plays an authority figure. There's a novel idea. Go for it. Fuck it. Do the thing. Hire an authority figure. Somebody needs to come out and be transparent with the audience about where we've been and where we are going. Because if there is a substantial shift that that I think I'm seeing and noting, dialogue it, talk about it, because you're about to abandon all of the hardcore Meltzer fans who have been loyal to you all this time. If you suddenly shift away from creating something that they have loved because you're trying to get more casual friendly, story friendly, advertiser friendly, I don't know, whatever it is, or if you're trying to tell your own personal story now, if it is time for you or somebody you've hired to step up to the plate and tell the story that matters to you, the story from your heart, then come out and say it. Let us know what's happening. Give us the introduction to the concept. What a fucking novel idea. Instead, we sit here without any idea why you have spun up this whole thing to begin with. It doesn't make sense. I mean, even Ted Turner's made way more sense because he hired someone else. He was the money and he knew he wasn't the mind. And so he hired other people because he had money and an interest in having some wrestling figures. And like, he just kind of admitted that about himself, that he wasn't the mind behind the wrestling business, that he could pour some money into it and enjoy it. And then that went shitty for a variety of reasons. But I got no sense of what Tony Khan is even enjoying about all this. I have no sense about what he even likes about all this. Man, I could keep going. I could keep going. I'll talk about some of the superficial stuff after the break. We do need to take a break at this time. I'm going to come back. I'm all revved up because this is real. This is real to me. And when we come back after the break, I'm going to tell you why it matters so fucking much to me, wrestling fans. Thanks for hanging out today on episode 14 of Rope Break. Hey, we are back. Wrestling fans, Rope Break, episode 14 live every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. I play kind of fast and loose with that whole time concept. Come on. I remember when I thought time was real. <laughs> but for real wrestling fans, I'm always 30 minutes late on Tuesdays. You can go ahead and book that now. I want to come in back from the break here. I want to... I, I, I left a few... I left some... I left some... I was about to say meat on the tree. I'm not sure what metaphors I think I'm combining there. Probably not. I'm probably just thinking about your standard run-of-the-mill meat tree as I say this. But I want to kind of unpack some of the details and then talk about... I mean, basically, I want you guys to call my bluff. Call my fucking bluff. That I know what I'm talking about here. Call my fucking bluff, Wrestle Talk. I dare you. Call it. 
But here we go. I'll get to, I'll get, I will get there. We'll get there. This is the thing. This is the thing. Fun is the answer to all of it. I was saying it before. Joy, pursuit of joy, pursuit of fun, doing things that feel expansive, doing things that feel like you can feel like this little emptiness that you would have to grow into when you conceptualize it. It's, it's a little bit big for me. It's a little bit, am I going to, boy, those kids are really good at basketball. Am I going to be able to hang with them? Yes. That's, that's where you need to be. Boy, that job seems like a little bit above my pay grade. Am I going to be able to handle it? Yes. That's where you need to be. Whenever you see that little space in your next activity that would require you to stand up a little straighter, think a little clearer, be a little bit more present, a little bit more aware, just a little bit more, and it puts a smile on your face, that's where you need to be. Does anyone in the creative room of AEW feel that way when they're there? Does anyone in the AEW creative room feel that? Feel that sense of fucking opportunity? Does anybody feel that space of growth and feel themselves stepping into it and actualizing into it joyfully? Is anyone in AEW doing that? Are any of the performers in AEW taking the fucking step? I can think of one. Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Darby Allen. I don't see the step taken. I'm sorry. We got Daddy Sting involved. And yeah, we just got, uh, I mean, while Daddy Sting was involved, the past year or two of Darby Allen, I feel like, has just been watching the writing on the wall. I feel like this kid's going to hurt himself. I feel like something terrible is going to happen in his fucking life. <laughs> like, I don't want to say that, but why should I believe anything else given what I've seen? Why for a second would I believe any... And I feel like Tony Khan just sees that that's interesting. And it's because he's a superstar and a high flyer and he's a wrestler. And Okay, but part of taking the next step in life is getting aligned. Figuring out the areas of your life where you can be that and it be fruitful. And then the other areas of your life where it wasn't necessary to be that. Right? Getting aligned. If you're a super attention-seeking person, you like to put a lot of cameras on yourself and talk about wrestling, if you act that way in your personal life, in your home life, in the family unit, you're going to end up with a family unit that fucking hates you. (laughs) But if you act that way as part of your passion and part of your hobby, you're not hurting a goddamn soul. Anyone can just flip, flip past that bullshit. So it's about getting in alignment where you can do the things that you're capable of and meant to be doing to the fullest of your ability, growing and feeling expansive. So who's doing that in AEW? Who is doing that? AEW comes off feeling tight. AEW comes off feeling fearful. They come into the show hoping you're going to like what they did. I feel like the writers, whoever is with Tony in those rooms, I feel like they're afraid of failure. I feel like everyone involved at this point might be afraid of failure. Tony Khan has to be petrified of failure because I think all this has ever been about for him 
is proving that he can succeed to daddy to himself. I hope it's to himself. Because if it's to himself, we got a chance here, wrestling fans. If this is about proving he can succeed to daddy, there's going to be some more stumbling blocks on this road, I'm afraid. Like, it's just, it's my intuition. It's my gut feeling. It's somebody who's had things to prove to his own parents throughout courses of his own journey. It takes one to know one. We are all on the space rock. Tony Khan is not excluded from the feelings, the spirits, the everything that guides our emotions, that guides our decisions consciously and unconsciously. Why is this motherfucker doing this? Compare it to WWE, though. The fun, the joy. Now, I, I, I think that some of those rooms might not be fearful. But I suspect that the WWE rooms might be a little bit boring. <laughs> Might be a little formulaic, might be a little old, I don't know. But here's the thing, actual fun things are emerging in WWE that seem to be the product of just thinking creatively about the assets available and kind of, I want to say letting those assets be themselves, but but letting them be what's been made and then framing them that way and then packaging them together. Where I'm going with this, our truth and the judgment day. How fucking funny was that shit on Monday Night Raw? How fucking funny has that shit been in general? How good has our truth been with judgment day? And they haven't really sacrificed any of the edge to judgment day. They're still the emo goth hard hitting group. But we have comic relief in somebody who sticks out in that group in a variety of ways. And it's funny because some of the ways that he sticks out, I mean, all the ways he sticks out from that group are real. Like, the real things that make him kind of different as a man. Like, appearance? Sure. Personality? Sure. Vibe? Whatever it is, age, like there seem to be a variety of things that make him so obviously not a part of that group, right? But like still identifiable, still relatable, still fun. And that's what makes him the perfect comic relief to that group. And I'll compare it to the comic relief in AW. It's Danhausen. And I feel like they just. Like, whenever they need comic relief, they, they think about Orange Cassidy and the best friends and Danhausen, and they just sort of pencil in, okay, we, we, need, a, we need plucky fun vibes. Um, um, yeah, it's them. And, like, with a fearful energy, hoping that this will work. Like, with a perception of lack. We've been failing to do this. We've been failing in some way. We're trying to course correct, and I hope that this correction works. As opposed to, I now have a story to tell, and I'm going to tell it. Those are two totally different vibes. AW's vibe is just the, like... Well, we're going to change everything, and the smart marks are going to be able to tell, and the casual fans aren't watching anyway, and it'll be the tool that sucks them back in. Whilst confusing all of your most diehard fans, this is brutal. This is absolutely brutal. And talking about casual fans, this will be the final kind of point I make on the topic. I have shouted... I think enough for like a month <laughs> about what I'm seeing on TV. And I'm going to tell you how you can call my bluff. 
But here's the final point I'll make. I've talked about him a few times on the show. I'm really interested in this dude, Vince Russo. Uh, I'm a big Jim Cornette fan. I'm obviously a little bit of an amateur historian about wrestling. Uh, and Jim Cornette, if you are an amateur historian about wrestling, is the professional historian. He's also interesting, engaging, fun to listen to, uh, just fun in a variety of ways. And one of the ways he's a lot of fun is his incredible hatred for Vince Rousseau. Like, deep, seething, piss on his grave, um, like, just beat up anyone who's ever, he's ever loved or who's ever loved him, levels of vitriol and menace, and just, just really, Jim Cornette just really fucking hates Vince Russo. And, and he has some valid reasons that he lists from his perspective. One of the things that Vince Russo said that I come back to a lot, though, that I think expresses a lot of understanding of the product, which is that... Casual fans don't care about the fake fights. Casual fans care about character and story. Casual fans care about character and story. The fake fight is a payoff. So there needs to be something being paid off in that fight. What can that be? A championship belt? Okay. But if the show is scripted and Everybody knows that nowadays. Everybody knows that nowadays. The championship belt starts feeling more and more aggressively like a prop. Which means we need story. We need impactful storytelling. We need impactful characters. I think about The Rock and Mick Foley and Stone Cold Steve Austin and the comedy storytelling that those guys did alongside Vince McMahon for years. And how much fun it was visible that they were having while they did it. <coughs> Excuse me, a tolerance break. You know, I was coughing up all sorts of stuff. <laughs> but you also look at Hulk Hogan and the amount of fun that was clearly being had. Probably in almost to the point where it may have gone detrimental by the NWO. The Click, the Insiders Group, Kevin, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, these guys, everyone who was in the in crowd with Eric Bischoff, and how much fun was being had in WCW at that time. And I think our truth and Judgment Day, that just looked fucking fun. It looked like the performers were having fun with this concept, and whoever came up with it backstage was giggling, I guarantee you, when they delivered it. Like, this shit was fun. This shit was interesting. There was no, gee, I hope this works. It really needs to. Behind the R-Truth judgment, and again, I, I, you know, I kind of pick and choose at times. I know I do that. I'm talking about kind of a bit segment, a background segment. And R-Truth and the Judgment Day, and I'll compare it to main event segments in AEW. I know that I do this. I know that I'm all over the place at times. But, man, it's just... It should, I feel like it makes the point, though, because we're searching for vibes. We're searching for energies. We're trying to find the puzzle pieces that fit together so that way we can understand from outside of their jet plane. Here in our own jet plane, we're looking over at their jet plane now. <laughs> the rope break jet plane. Why did he do this? Why the fuck did he do this? Why did he do this? And here's the thing. We've come to the moment. Call my fucking bluff that I know what I'm talking about, wrestling fans. 
And I say this a lot. And I've always had a certain sense of, I'll be just honest, I think it's embarrassment and shame over my wrestling product, which is the WMWE Fed. And I'm not totally sure where that comes from. I think it comes from within. I think it comes from embarrassment and shame that I just experience in my life as part of my journey. But with the WMWE Fed, I can say with clarity why I did it and why I'm doing it again this Saturday, December 23rd, Slampta 4. Four years in a row, we have put on an amazing Christmas show. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I ask myself the same fucking question. I am not making money off of any of this. Why the fuck am I doing this? I haven't made a dime off of content in fucking years. Why am I doing this? I haven't had an audience in content in fucking years. We're really lucky on Rope Break to have some clips go kind of semi-viral. We got one going for a million views right now on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. I'm really proud, really excited about the future of Rope Break and the future of the WMWE Fed. But when we're talking about how we got here to this moment where we're looking ahead to the future with some excitement, when we're looking ahead to the future thinking we might be starting to see some writing on the wall about what that could look like with excitement in our hearts, with a sense that maybe we're not quite ready. Maybe if I'm going to go there, motherfucker, I'm going to have to stand up a little bit straighter. I'm going to have to think a little bit more clearly I'm going to have to be a little bit stronger and a little bit more to get where I want to go and to get where it wants to go because this form of storytelling is amazing and there is endless opportunity in episodic competitive sports-based storytelling to tell any sort of narrative You want to tell. And I am telling those stories. I have the opportunity to tell those stories. Why am I doing this? It is not for the fucking money. And I know that the lights are bright and the camera is HD. It's not for the fucking fame. It's because I'm interested in telling engaging stories. I'm interested in entertaining people who want to be entertained. I have no interest in entertaining people who don't have time for me or my shit. That's fine. Keep on walking. Keep swiping. It is no skin off my nose. However, if you want to be engaged by competitive matches that can turn on a dime, that the winner will impact the storytelling moving forward, you're interested in the WMWE Fed. If you are interested in satire, social satire, making fun of everything from religion to capitalism to professional fucking wrestling, then the WMWE Fed is your speed. It's the storytelling you're looking for. It's in a fucking video game, and it's me. And I think that those are the two factors that drove a lot of the shame and embarrassment that I would feel about my product. 
But the reality was that the more I did it, the more confidence I got as a man. The more I did it, the more confidence I got as a creator. The more I did it, man, I'll just be frank with you guys. The less problematic I was with my family and loved ones because now I had an outlet. For some of this attention-seeking fuckery. Now I had an outlet for some of this creative fuckery. Now it had a place to go. A productive place to go. Where I could get into the weeds on how I even fucking do it. And that's what Tony Khan is, I think, exposing. Call my bluff. He had a cute story for the first 12 months. It was the Kenny Omega Hangman Page story. And it was cute as fuck. It was super cute. It caught my attention. I noticed it. I loved it. It was super fucking cute. And there hasn't been a goddamn thing since. There hasn't been a goddamn thing worth talking about in this promotion since. You got cool wrestlers. I'm wearing my Powerhouse Hobbs Big Black and Jack shirt today. Super. I'm, I'm, for those of you watching or listening to the audio version, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my jacked. I'm showing my guns. I'm also showing off how black I am. I, I am, I am, I am as white as the whitest white boys that ever were. And I, and I'm falling off the rails. <laughs> but he's a good example. Powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, I, I bought this shirt as a meme, but he's a good example. Like, where did where? Like, he was the blue chipper, the next big thing. Hasn't happened yet. No vision. I don't know. Maybe Hobbs isn't ready. Isn't the guy, whatever, going a different way. Maybe it happens later. Whatever, whatever, whatever. This isn't about that. Just hasn't happened yet. That is true. (laughs) Because it hasn't happened for anyone in AEW. Because there's no expansiveness. There's no joy. There's no sense of excitement. This is my theory. About growing and becoming more than they already are. They want to have already been enough. And they want you to like that. And I feel like that's what's stunting Tony Khan, stunting the creative minds. They want you to like what has already happened. And they don't want to have to push into that empty space and truly create something new. And when I talk about the WWE having a formula that they are just going back to, it just feels like they have, it it feels, and at times it feels boring because of it. But you get the sense that there is some sort of creative process effort there 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 is something here where they have they feel the sense that they have to create something out of nothing or 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 at the very least create something to fill in the nothing to keep growing to keep growing tony khan which might be the real reason why you're doing this. It might be about personal growth. In well, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, it better be about personal growth in some way for you, Tony Khan. Or wrestling fans everywhere are going to get fucked when you just pick up your money and pick up your toys and go home one day. When you realize that you don't know why you've been bothering. And that this is a lot of fucking work and a lot of fucking venom from fucking marks like me who get on the internet and criticize you. It's a lot of fucking weight. I'm slobbering all over myself. The crown is fucking heavy. The crown of thorns hurts for a reason. (coughs) 
Like, and, and, and one day, if there isn't a fucking story that needs to be told in your soul, Tony Khan, you might just pick up your toys and go home. That's the problem here, man. <laughs> That's the problem here because there's people like me, millions of people like me, not watching wrestling, casually watching wrestling, diehard watching wrestling. There's millions of people like me who have an idea of what wrestling is, what it could be, and the opportunities that lie in that. And we're watching you not care about that. You care about AEW. You care about, I can't tell. I can't find it, Tony Khan. I can't find that, and that terrifies me. It terrifies me to think that I can't really hone in on what are the things that you just fucking love most. That after three years of watching your product faithfully, man, that I am no closer to understanding you or your storytelling or what you're trying to do here. How is that possible, dude? Like, are you hiding it on purpose? Is there shame and embarrassment there? I, I don't know. I've been there, man. I'm, I'm sitting there right now. But, bro, it's time to step up. Put the mic in your hand or hire someone to do it for you. Tell us where this jet plane is going to go. Because we're excited to get on the plane. It looks cool in there. You got, you got Adam Copeland in that plane? You got, you got Kenny Omega in that plane? You got MJF in that plane? Where does it where does it land? Cause cause I'll go a lot of places with them boys. But I won't go anywhere with you motherfuckers. Hey, let's take a break. No, let's not take a break. That's enough for today. I don't want to talk about the superficial shit. There's no reason to. We dug as deep into this thing as we could go today, December 19th. We are six days away from Christmas. I will be back the day after Christmas. That is a Tuesday. I'll probably be 30 minutes late again. Come to Slamta this Saturday, December 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern. We have bailed that son of a bitch Slamta out of prison. If you don't know, he's Santa Claus's evil wrestling twin. And he gets to pick a mystery partner to challenge WAP for the tag team titles December 23rd at Slamta. Okay. The GOAT of WMW Wrestling, Crystal Prendergast, has a new apprentice. And the presidency of the WMW is under fire as my wife has joined a plucky, sexy 80s group (laughs) and has an announcement concerning the presidency of the WMW. Things are brewing. We are telling stories, cute stories, funny stories, sexy stories, compelling stories, underdog stories, domination stories, stories about mean people, stories about nice people, fucking stories. Because everything's a story at the end of the day. Hey, this has been Rope Break episode 14. On December 19th, thanks for letting me go on that rant. Let's coast this jet plane on in for a nice, smooth landing. Thanks for hanging out today, wrestling fans.